Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning. Awesome. Weather's a little bit better. Did anyone have to skate to get to your uh, vehicle today? Yes. Yes, I know I did. I did. I, I did. Uh, it, it was more a figure skating rather than a, a cool composure hockey skate, but it was good. I'm very graceful, so thank God for that. Uh, I'm so grateful for that. But it's so good to see you today, and we're going to just dive in right away. I see some of you have already got your roll up the rim cups. Good for you. I hope you win. I am 0 for 2. <sighs> it's not good. Okay. It's not good. Open up your Bibles. We're going to go to Mark 11. Mark 11. Mark 11, starting at verse 22. And uh, for those of you who are new, we're finishing up a series actually today, <coughs> excuse me, called Breakthrough, Unleashing the Power of God in Your Life. And over the last number of weeks, we focused on how prayer pay, uh, plays a pivotal role in your life and in seeing breakthrough happen in your life. And uh, over the last number of weeks, we've had the wonderful privilege uh, by God's grace to see um, people um, healed. We've, we've, had, uh, we've seen people not only healed, but breakthroughs happen in various ways in their life. And so it's just been an incredible series that we've been going through and hearing just wonderful stories in our church uh, as some of you uh, know about. So it's, it's just been a wonderful time and a wonderful series. Um, so let's uh, read uh, Mark 11. <coughs> it, has, it says this in, in verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if someone says to this mountain, Growth, uh, uh, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their hearts, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. What a wonderful word that Jesus gives us. But let me ask you this today. What do you do? What do you do when God says no? We see in this passage, if you have faith, right, you can move this mountain, you can do this thing. But what if God says no? What if God says, uh, you know, he says no when it, it comes to different aspects of our life, when, when God doesn't heal a, sick, uh, a sickness that you might have, or, or, or he, he doesn't heal someone who's been sick. He doesn't, he doesn't release suffering from someone. He doesn't take that suffering away. What do you do when, when God doesn't uh, get you that job or that promotion that you've been wanting, that you've, that you've been desiring, that maybe even you need? for your family? What do you do when, when you don't get that girl or that boy that you've promised, God, I will be a saint if I can get them, 
right? What do you do in those situations? What do you do when you don't get into the school that you desired, that you studied for, and that maybe your parents are, are pressuring you into? What do you do when you get yourself into a mess and you ask for relief, you ask for help, but it seems like nothing's happening? You had faith or, or you have faith, but nothing is changing. It seems like nothing is happening. So natural, it's, it's natural for us to have these thoughts of, of doubt, uh, of uncertainty when it comes to, you know, did I not have enough faith? I thought I was there. Maybe it's, it's doubts and uncertainty when it comes to God. God, you said in your word this, and I had faith. Right? So we have these doubts, we have these uncertainties, we have these mixed fears and emotions, we have, we have these disappointments that start to sink in. So what do we do? And we think to ourselves, why did God say no? Why would God say no? And for those of you who have, who have ever been in a position of leadership, maybe it's in parenting or, or coaching or teaching uh, or leading in any kind of capacity, you know that no is a, a common response. You know that no is, is a part of, of life. And, and you know that because of that, there's different perspectives, different plans, different purposes, but... That doesn't always make it easier, especially when it comes to God. So what do we do? What do we do in those moments when God says no? We trust. We trust that God is acting with love and goodness. We trust that God is acting with love and goodness. The Bible tells us a story when Jesus was ministering across the Jordan River. He hears from Mary and, and her sister Martha that their brother Lazarus is sick. And he's actually so sick that he's on the verge of death. And so they asked Jesus, 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 please rush, rush here to get here. Come to his aid. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, this happens a lot in the New Testament. If you read your Bible, especially in the New Testament, you see people asking Jesus all the time, Master, rush here. You know, Lord, rush here. Teacher, rush here. Come to our house. Come to this place. Come. Someone needs your healing. Someone needs your help. Please rush. But this one was different. This story was different because this wasn't a stranger. This wasn't a complete stranger. Jesus actually had a close relationship with this family and stayed there often. In fact, this is Mary. If you, if you read scripture, Mary is, is the one, uh, one of uh, the, the sisters. And it's the same woman that actually poured perfume on Jesus' feet. And Jesus said to her, surely what you've done today will be remembered wherever the gospel goes. So this is someone that's close. And so when they finally find Jesus, they say, Lord, 
the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. Think about that in context, right? It shows a closeness. It's not this random stranger is sick. It's someone that you have relationship with. Someone that you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he didn't rush over to heal him. Instead, the Bible said that in John 11, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. For two more days. You know, usually depending on the urgency is, is how fast you will race to get somewhere. But when it's a loved one, you don't typically leisurely make your way over when it's someone you love, right? You get there as fast as possible. I remember when my wife called me up and the doctors had told her that uh, they were ready to induce her and so that our, our son was about to make their way. Now, can you imagine if I got that phone call and I said, hey, yeah, Awesome. Sounds good, babe. I'll see you in a little bit. I've got a little bit more work to do. You know, I might stop on the way to get some Tim Hortons, get a, a, a you know, um, a roll up the rim. And by the way, I'm going to see some friends on the way, probably get some gas. You know, we should get a, a car wash, actually, come to think about, right? If I started doing that in that moment, I would not be standing here today. In fact, I would probably not have legs, Okay. So much so that I'm sure that even just the heavy breathing in her voice when I make this comment will pierce my earlobes and make me deaf, right? You'll feel that tension even through a cord. But because I'm a good husband, what did I do? I raced over there, maybe even going a little bit faster than normal, right? Uh, not true, not true, okay. <clears throat> I don't want you to think of me as a bad role model, so not true. Let's just say when the light went green, boom, I was out, okay? <clears throat> but uh, I raced over there. And you know what? Often, that's what our expectation of God is. We expect that if he cares, he'll respond immediately. If he cares, he'll answer what our request is. If he cares, he'll do all these things immediately. And yet, in this story, Jesus doesn't rush. And we find out that Lazarus actually dies. And it's in this time we need to remember that just because we can't see a good reason for this to happen doesn't mean there isn't one. Maybe for some of you today, this is something you actually need to write down right now. This is something that you need to remember. That just because you can't see a good reason for this doesn't mean that God isn't doing something in the background. That God isn't going to do something in and through you. When we look at this story and this situation, his delay had a purpose. It was for God's glory so that Jesus would be glorified through it. You see, at that time, there was this idea that the Messiah had to do these certain things in order to prove who they were. 
And one of them was raising someone back to life. And this is exactly what Jesus ends up doing in his timing. He goes to the tomb where Lazarus is. And he says, wake up. And so we see this image of the Messiah. And not only that, the Bible actually says that many believed as a result of seeing this happen. And like this story, God doesn't always operate like we think he should. He doesn't always rush and he, he doesn't always answer yes. He doesn't make that promise. But what he does promise, and it's a promise that we can often forget, is found in Philippians 4.19. It says, my God will meet all your needs. Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You know, often what we want is to avoid discomfort and feel good all the time. But we're not promised that. What we are promised is that he will give us what we need. And so for some of us in the room, maybe what you really need today is you need greater faith. For God to give you greater faith. Maybe for some of you in the room, what you really need is for God to give you courage. To cut out the fear and just have courage. Have that bold faith. Maybe for some of you, it's strength. Right? You just feel like you're weak. And so what God can give you, what you need, is the faith and the strength to keep going. He won't always give us what we thought we needed, but what he knows we need. That's what he promises. So we trust him in every little detail, in every little circumstance that we will see and experience his love and kindness. We also can trust that God's plan is better than my desire. God's plan is better than my desire. If you've ever worked on a, gr a group project at work or in school, you'll know that sometimes one of the hardest things to do is trust a plan that you're not feeling, right? Some of you are in those projects right now where you're like, well, this is going to suck, right? <laughs> I, I remember being in school and, and I, was, I was one of those like chill kids, but uh, when, I, when I set my mind on something... I was, I was there. I was all in. And I, I just remember sometimes for group projects, you're, you're hearing what the plan is, and you're like, okay, we're going to fail. Like, this is awesome, right? Anybody else want an F? Here, you take one. You take, right? Like, let's hand them out like cookies, right? I, sometimes when we're not feeling it, it can be excruciating. It can be really, really, really tough. It can suck. It can be really hard. But this is what I've learned about trust, is that trust is not an expression of feelings, and it's an expression of faith. And last time I checked, that's huge in Christianity, faith. Trust is not an expression of feelings. It's an expression of faith. It's not swayed by what I feel, but what I believe, what I know to be true. And we see this actually in, in the, the story of the uh, Garden of Gethsemane when, when Jesus is praying before being arrested in front of 
in front of the masses. Mark 14 says, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass for him. And he said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So imagine this. It's Thursday night. It's Thursday night, and Jesus knows what's coming tomorrow. So in his humanity, he cries out, Abba, Father. Abba being a closeness of Father. Like he's saying, Father, Father, take this cup. Take this, this suffering. Take this divine judgment that's about to happen to me. Take this away from me. Like just understand that for a moment. Jesus, the Savior of the world. The one that oftentimes we think that he doesn't understand our weakness, that he doesn't understand what we're going through. In this moment in the garden, Jesus, the savior of the world, is struggling with God's plan. And it's because he knew not only the physical agony of the crucifixion that terrified him, it was the unique death that he was about to experience. He who knew no sin would experience the wrath of God against sin. He would experience separation from God. You know, when you, you send, you know, you say goodbye to family or, or, or friends after spending time together, or maybe, you know, for some of you, is when you send your kid off to school, right? There's that, that sad moment, right? The, oh, they're growing up too fast, right? Like there's that, that moment. Think about eternity. The idea of God and his son being with each other since before even time was, was a concept in humanity. And suddenly Jesus is now having to experience the separation of God from that. Imagine the excruciating pain of taking on God's wrath towards sin. For each one of our sins, Jesus took that on. And yet, he finishes this prayer by saying, but now, not my will, but your will be done. And then he follows through with God's plan. Trusting God's plan doesn't make life easier. Look at Jesus. But trusting God's plan makes life better. Look at Jesus. Look at the impact he made because he trusts in God's plan. And not just the impact in his life, but in ours as a result. God took a bad situation and used it for our long-term gain our long-term good. So trust that God's plan is better than your own desire. We also need to trust that God's grace will enable, will enable you to stand strong, to stand strong in the midst of difficulty. In life, I think there's actually, uh, I think there's a big difference between standing and standing strong when we encounter all these difficult circumstances. Both take a level of strength 
but one takes on a whole new level that's unmatched, that's unexpected. And for the people seeing this person going through that circumstance, oftentimes it's unexplainable. Where you're seeing them, this, this strength, and you're like, where is that coming from? And it's something Red Bull or five-hour energy can't do, right? It won't give you that strength. And it's a strength that only comes from God's grace. It's only through his intervention in our lives. And we see this actually in the story of Paul. When Paul is, is calling out to God, he's got this thorn in his side, and, and we don't know what it is, but it's, it's, it's harming him. It's, it's causing problems as he's, he's trying to minister and, and speak. You know, uh, you hear different possibilities of, of what that thorn could be. It could be a, you know, a disability. It could be a, a sickness. I've even heard some commentary um, where it's, it's his wife or if he was married, right? It's this thorn in his side. Personally, I think those are people that have real problems in their marriage that if they think that's what it is, and they should probably seek counseling. Um, but anyways, he says, he says it's a thorn in his side. And so he asks, he asks God to take it away, which is why I also don't think that it's, it's a woman. So, um, but, but he says, he says to, to God, he says, my, uh, my God, like, take this away from me. Take this thorn away from my side. And this is God's response to that problem that Paul had. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, But God said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And, and so Paul's response to God saying no is this. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul is accepting his suffering because he knows it's an opportunity for Christ's power to be shown through his weakness. That despite whatever difficulties, whatever that thorn is, be the result of that thorn, he will be able to stand strong because of Christ working in his life. So he trusts in God's effectiveness rather than his own efforts. And so we too must trust that God can do the same thing for you as well. Finally, we need to trust that God will never abandon you. God will never abandon us. Hebrews 13, 5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. What I, I love about this passage in Deuteronomy, uh, or, or what, uh, sorry, what I love about this passage in Hebrews is, is there's actually in the Old Testament, there's a number of times where um, people bring this up, that, that God says these things, that uh, he'll never leave. Um, we see it in Deuteronomy 31. When Moses offers this promise to Israel, but he's describing it in the third person. And so what the author of Hebrews does is he actually refers back to the text in Joshua 1 to adapt it. When God was speaking to Joshua in the first person. 
And there's a big difference between speaking in the third person versus the first person, right? The difference is, hey, just so you know, uh, in the third person, it would be, hey, just so you know, that person uh, loves you, right? Just so you know, they love you. Often when, when we hear it on a, a Sunday morning, right, God loves you, we, we, we hear it in the third person. And, and so it's, it's nice to hear, but we still feel that, that distance. But what the author in Hebrews is, he's putting it is in first person. He's saying, hey, I want you to realize, God wants you to realize that he loves you. He will never abandon you. I'm talking to you, Joe. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Dave. I'm talking to you, Luz. I'm talking to you that I will never leave you. You see, God isn't this far off person. Today, he's saying, whatever you find yourself with, I will not abandon you. And that is a promise you can take. He loves you. He won't leave you. That's what God is saying to us today. God is promising that he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. I once heard a story about a husband and wife who, who every day they had to drive to work. And, and uh, they were, they were, there was just this incredible closeness between them. And so every day they would drive to work and back to, uh, from work. And, and she would always sit right in the middle. She would sit right in the middle so that she could be beside her husband, nice and close. And she would just, you know, rest her, her head on his shoulder when, when he, uh, she was tired. She would put her arm around him when, when she just wanted to be that much closer. And one day she says to her husband after, after years had passed and she looks at her husband from the other side of the vehicle. She says, you know, we used to be close. We used to be close. We, we used to sit beside each other and on our way to work and from work. And we used to be a lot closer than we are. And the man simply smiled at his wife and he said, I wasn't the one that moved. I'm not the one who moved. Let me ask you this today. Is it possible is it possible that because you're in a position where you're not hearing from God or maybe you're not feeling his presence, is it possible that you have moved? That you have moved yourself into a place where you're not hearing him, where you're not feeling him anymore, where it's you who's taken that step away? Is that possible today? Because what the Bible tells me is that God will never abandon you. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. What he will do is if you desire, if you want, he will give you the space if that's what you want. It doesn't mean that he won't stop pursuing you because he is pursuing you. It just means that he loves you enough to let you choose. At the beginning of the message, I use the passage from Mark 11, talking about if you have 
faith that you could move mountains, that, that you, you would be able to pray and whatever you pray for will happen. And this, this scripture verse brings up a lot of hurt and frustration if we read it incorrectly, if we interpret it the wrong way. This is what I've learned about this passage is that the prayer or the faith that will move mountains are prayers that will bring about the fruitfulness of God's kingdom. God is thinking about the fruitfulness of his kingdom. What will bring that about? And so the prayers that he says yes to are the ones that will see the mass fruitfulness as a result. Sometimes we actually have the privilege of seeing its fruitfulness immediately. We've seen it in some of these stories where people have been healed from cancer instantaneously. Where God answered their prayer when it came to work, when it came to a vehicle, when it came to a, a difficult circumstance that they had. And we, they saw the fruitfulness of that. Other times, it, it, we don't see it right away. We don't always see it right away. And other times, we won't see it until we get to heaven. That's the reality that we face today. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care or that he isn't working for your future good. It's just a reminder that our home is heaven. That God is in control. That he'll never fail us. He'll never leave us. That he absolutely loves you. You know, and it probably hurts him more than it hurts you, whatever circumstance you find yourself in. As crazy as that is to believe. And that it'll help you stand strong. Many of us have experienced these types of responses. When God says yes, when and we see the fruitfulness and, and when God says no or not yet. I, I've told you this story before, but it's just so real. I'm reminded of when a family friend of ours and a, a friend of mine passed away as a, as a youth, as a, a young adult. And this was an incredible human being. And we were asking, like, why? Why did he die? Why did this happen? God, why? And in the moment, we couldn't understand why it happened. And then at the funeral, when there was time for people to, if they wanted to pray or if they wanted to accept Jesus into their life, literally, there was like 30 plus people that gave their life to Jesus because of this circumstance. You know, often death and, and suffering can bring about a turning to God, a search for hope, a, a dependence on God. And we've actually, we in that circumstance, we got to see the fruitfulness of God. It wasn't in him. It wasn't in, in Jason, the person who passed away. But we got to see the fruitfulness that came about his death in the lives of the masses. People literally transforming their lives because of what this young man did and how this young man lived. 
It wasn't the yes response we were hoping for, but it brought about something incredible. That after it happened, as even though it was painful and it was hard, we went, oh, I see. God, I see what you were up to in the background. So whatever your story is, whether it's a story where God responds with a, a resounding yes, or if it's a story where, where it seems you have to go through something. People have to go through something. Whatever your story is, remember, you never know how your struggle can bring someone back to God. You never know how your struggle can bring about the fruitfulness of God's kingdom. Someone can be inspired by your suffering and change their life. So whatever God responds to you today as we've been praying for breakthrough, pray as Jesus prayed. God, not my will, but your will be done. And whatever you decide, I trust. Heavenly Father, we trust you. We trust you. We put our trust in you. God, whether it's a no, a yes, whether it's, it's a maybe or not yet, whatever it is, we trust in you because we know that you will never fail us. You will never leave us. God, you are in control in every little detail. You're close. You'll never, you'll never leave us alone. But the, pro the power of your presence will fill our souls will give us what we need. And so we trust in you today. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page. And you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.